you know, I kind of being naive, I thought, you know, just rugby was going to come first and that was going to be the be all and end all. And that was the most heartbreak thing I've ever, ever experienced. You weren't thinking about money, you were thinking about like this journey that we're going to go on with the World Cup and the World Series and the Olympics. How do people at the top of the game do what they do? And what can young players learn from them to help them on their own journey and help them achieve their dreams in the game? That's the question and this podcast will give you the answers. Welcome to today's episode of the Offfield Rugby Pod. I'm your host Brian Moylette, former Irish age grade international, now mindset and performance coach. And if you have not done so, hit that subscribe button so that you never miss another podcast episode. And if you're out there and you love this podcast, please do me a favor and leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening. That really helps because the more positive ratings and reviews we get, the more the different platforms say, hey, this podcast is helping people, people are enjoying it. Maybe we should show it to people who have never heard of it before. And that way the podcast grows organically. Also, you can send the podcast on some friends and I would greatly appreciate that. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to say thank you to all of you who've bought my new book and left reviews on Amazon. Really appreciate it. I released the book on how you become a pro rugby player last week and in its first week it's gone to number one in the Amazon rugby bestseller charts which is sick, it's ahead of the likes of Sia Khaleesi and Sonny Bill Williams' books, so yeah, pretty cool, thank you. Also, I've loved how many parents or adults have told me that they're buying the book for young players to get them started on learning about the mindset and mental skills side of the game because they know how important it is and they want to help out be it their son or daughter, niece, nephew. So today I'm chatting with Irish Sevens player Mark Roach. We chat about what it's like being involved with the Sevens, the schedule, the contracts they get and their new training base at the IRFU High Performance Centre. Mark talks about chasing his dream, turning down professional contracts abroad and tells a random story about how he got started with the Irish Sevens. He also gives advice to young players. He opens up about his lowest moment in the game, a mistake he made and how he bounced back from it. And also talks about the moment that the Irish Sevens team's mindset switched from being happy to be involved in the series to wanting to go and win. If you'd like tips and strategies on the mental side of the game, follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok. And my handle is at offfieldrugby. So here's episode number 67 with Mark Roach. Dealing with money can be very stressful, and especially with everything that's happening in the world right now and stock markets crashing. If you're not an expert, it can be difficult to know what to do. Sparks Wealth is an Irish financial planner and they are experts when it comes to dealing with finances 
and helping guide you on what's best for your situation. You can book a free call with Will now at Sparks Wealth on their website, sparkswealth.ie. Recently, a family member of mine did just that and was so happy they did so. They said Will guided them through everything in a simple, easy to understand way, no jargon, and it was a brilliant experience. So that's sparkswealth.ie. So how's life? Life is not bad at all. It's good. Um, rugby's going great. Coaching's going great. Um, recently just got engaged in February. So, you know, things are moving in the, in the right direction. So I've been busy. So it's, uh, it's good. It's good. Good stuff. And so do you have a bit of downtime now with the rugby? Yes, yeah, so we have um, well, downtime. You can say we have two weeks off. Uh, just to chill out and kind of reset, refocus, and then we're back in on October the third Monday. So we're like straight back into competition because we have Hong Kong in on I like start up uh, November. So um, so yeah, there's not a lot of downtime. It's just straight back into it. I to be honest, I don't know what preseason is going to be like. So. Um, or will it be a preseason? It could just be a back into the swing of things, get organized and hit the ground running hard at uh, Hong Kong. Yeah, nice one. And where do you train out of? We train out of uh, Blanchetown. So there's a place called the High Performance Center and it's this new building. They have the FAI are kind of, they have one side of it. So they have their AstroTurf pitch and then we have our side and we have all the offices and there's a new gym in there. Um, and then there's like three pitches out the back. So like it's a great facility. They put a load of money into it. So there's just there's loads to do there. And there's this there's you know the good physio room, good gym, there's a regen room, there's a hydro room to do your kind of hot and cold water and everything like that. So um there's loads, there's loads, and it's just a great setup for for everyone involved. Oh yeah, that so that's the new is there's an indoor field, isn't it? Like I've seen Yeah, the indoor field. So when it's raining, we, we get to go inside. So I do. You know, unlike the unlike the fifteens, you know, they gotta stay outside, play the conditions. Oh yeah. We're going, we're going to hot country, so we get to we get it easy. Yeah, nice one. And uh so what's the regen room? Regen room is just regeneration. So it's just like there's these massage not massage chairs, these big like loungers and you get to like there's a load of normal text with each chair and then there's like uh, massage guns there's like rollers that kind of like vibrate uh there's balls that like little vibrated as well so there's like it's just all kind of a, for recovery mm. um which is class like so you, and you go in it's like a nice dark room there is a uh, like nice music nice nice uh, kind of meditating music on in the background and you just go in you can just kind of chill out like if you're having like a tough day or a bad day or whatever you can just go in bang in cover get yourself together and yeah so it's good like really that's cool room like yeah it's lovely and what's the schedule like for you like when you go back are you like five days a week or is it like all in at certain times of the year or are you like half in for times or how does it work yeah so um it's full time it's monday tuesday thursday and friday so we've got four days of the week that will um We'll train um, and ideally we'd have like kind of a speed on a Monday with like kind of a skill session in a gym and then Tuesday would be um, 
a training session with a gym and then Thursday would be our double day where we do two pitch sessions and then Friday would be um, a pitch session and a gym session and Thursday and Friday would be our hardest days in the week so there'd be kind of contact based drills and um, little games that we'd go seven on seven so um, so yeah it's like it's quite hectic like we're there from like seven in the morning to like two o'clock in the afternoon so there is like it is a busy day and it's quite quick quick turnaround from like pitch to gym as well yeah and when you're on on the series on the circuit is it kind of early starts of well, i just wonder 7 a.m is early but like is that why do they get you up earlier like when you're on tour you're kind of up early yeah so like um i think just for preference and for the players um we want to be having um kind of like those early starts because then guys can go to college or um they go to work and work in the afternoons whereas if you're if we're coming in at like 11 o'clock and training then you know you cannot you're not really going to work in the morning and then you're not going to kind of you're going to be tired then come the evening time and you won't get back till later and obviously there's traffic around and everything like that because it's a busy area so i think ideally for us it, for the players the kind of earlier starts are better because then everyone can go and you know, either do their second job or go and kind of finish off their college work or go to college or whatever it is. So um, it kind of in that way it works perfect and it's quite flexible for, for everybody. Yeah, it's ideal actually. And so you are working as a personal trainer as well, are you? Yes, yeah, so I'm a personal trainer and then I'm a coach in Lansdowne. So I'm coaching the J1 kind of senior seconds team there. So um yeah kind of working three jobs but i get i get as i said it's all flexible like the gym hours they work around my rugby schedule and the my boss he's a big rugby head so uh which is great so he he allows me to um kind of work my own kind of hours and when i'm when i'm there i can uh, get stuck in and then with the rugby coaching it's the tuesday and thursday nights and then a sunday game so like it's it works well like it work the gym hours around uh, things so don't have to be on a Tuesday and Thursday nights and then sevens is always in the morning time and afternoon so you know it all works out really nicely but it's busy it's busy and it's hard work as well at the same time you know you could be in training and then you're straight into the gym uh, uh, coaching and I've kind of it's been like 45 minutes away as well from Blanchestown in training so and then go I could be in Lansdowne then as well so it's just yeah it is kind of compact and all quick turnarounds and yeah busy busy yeah and how long have you been coaching um the rugby coach the rugby, the, yeah yeah rugby. rugby so um i did it in my old school for about four years and then i coached with the blackrock under 20s um between blackrock uh, the school and the club i had like a year gap and then went straight back into coaching again i did two years with the 20s and um then i kind of just was focused on the sevens and just made sure that i was kind of getting back into the swing of things because i had a i had an injury so i was um i just didn't kind of want to i wanted to make sure that the priority was sevens and that was going to get get back on track and um thank god that happened and then i last year the club i went now lands down they they kind of lost a couple of, uh, they lost a coach and then they only had one guy there kind of looking after it. 
and um, yeah, they just rang me and they were just like, would you be able to help out just towards the end of the season? I absolutely help you out. And then um, they gave me the head coach role this year. So, um, so yeah, it's nice. It's nice. It's really good. Like, so I've been coaching, well, like, I'd say on and off like 10 years. Yeah, because I remember, yeah, when we were playing, when you were in the school, you were doing a good bit then in Black Yeah, Rock. so I was doing the school, and then I did, like, the minis in Lansdowne, so, like, the under-6s, 7s, 8s, like, under-12s and all that. So, yeah, like, I mean, like, coaching part of me, like, and it's, it's kind of, it's easy in that sense because, you know, you're, you're, I'm playing, I'm able to take what I've experienced, what I've learned from other coaches and put it on to the other guys, but also given what what my knowledge and how I approach the game. So it is, it's a, it's nice and not that it's easy, but it, you know, it's kind of second nature to me. So I don't have to kind of really think too hard about it or like stress about it. So it just like, yeah, it comes naturally. And yeah, I'm able, well, I'm well able to work with the guys that I am coaching and then, I'm, you know, so it's, it's good. It's good. Yeah, it's ideal. And so when did you get into the personal training and that side of things then? The personal training I got into about about eight years ago. Um, I had started a, kind of a sports management course down in Bray. And that was something that I thought I was going to get into. Um, I didn't get the points from school. So I had to kind of go back course, like a level six, and then in, hopefully get into UCD. I did like four months of that sports management course in Bray and then I just left because I was with the Sub Academy in Leinster so I didn't want like again rugby was the focus and you know I kind of being naive I thought you know just rugby was going to come first and that was going to be the be all and end all and you know you're just going to be a rugby player and then that's it and you know not thinking about kind of college or work or anything like that so in that sense I kind of wasn't educated about that and making the right choices so it was just all rugby, rugby, rugby. So anyway, I kind of took the year out, um, just focused on the rugby. The rugby kind of went well, did the 20s and all that, and then with the Ireland. And then, then yeah, I kind of just figured out, okay, I need to actually start to do something. So I was always keen on the gym. Um, and again, it, it works with, you know, the rugby as well and like working on your body and making sure it's in the top physical condition. So um yeah, I got into a course in National Training Centre. So it's like an 18-week course. Um, kind of, again, it's really intense. It's 18 weeks, um, just a lot of information thrown at you. And then you have a set of exams um, at the end of it. And yeah, so I did that and got qualified. And then the only thing was, which for any personal trainers, like just qualified, trying to find a job that, that suits you. Like it's so difficult because... People want uh, personal trainers that have experience. So that was one thing I was struggling to get. So it took me about, after I got qualified, it took me about two, three years to actually find a job and work with the sevens. So um, yeah, I'm up in a job uh, job now in Sandy Firth, Collard and Fitness and personal training there. It's a nice private gym. So it's only kind of class-based time. So clients can't come in whenever they want. They come in kind of the set, time so um i like that a lot better than kind of those um public gyms where you can just come in wherever and yeah yeah it's uh interesting to say there about like 
being so focused on rugby and like you're saying like oh it might have been a bit of a bad thing but then again I'd say a lot of people looking at you now are like geez that's unreal like it worked out so well like you get you know the sevens and then you're traveling the world and like you're in this position and getting medals and it's like I know what you mean but like it's you know if you'd went all in on the college or half half or maybe you know who knows it's... no absolutely yeah and I fully agree like you know the priority was always being a rule player and that's for any any player coming up uh, boy or girl that's your priority that's what you want to do you obviously go for it but obviously just keep in the back of your mind that you know there is work in college that you need to look at and for kind of after rugby and that was the kind of just I I knew it was there but I just didn't really kind of focus on it now yes I was young enough to kind of um you know pursue try and pursue the rugby and um and kind of not think about college because you know not everyone knows what they're going to do coming out of school people drop out of courses people change courses so there's loads there's loads of that and you probably don't figure yourself out until you're kind of like what 24 25 maybe later um so yeah that's the only thing i just the only kind of regret would be um just keeping that a bit more in the back of bit more in kind of in your head and just about like what you're actually kind of doing you don't have to fully focus on it and rugby can be the priority or your sport can be your priority but just make sure you kind of have some sort of idea or you're just kind of thinking away and you have an idea of what your what your plans are what you kind of want to do alongside the rugby or after yeah 100 there are brilliant points you make and i think a big problem is that you made a great a lot of great points ever like 18 year olds then like deciding like oh go like i have to this is what i'm gonna do and and going to college and and you know you can take a, two years out and work and find do different things or you know do some different things and see what you enjoy you know and and you can yeah, and uh, you can at that young age like go after a sport or go after rugby or do do that and like you say 22 3 4 5 like then you can start to you might find interest and then go, you know, there's so much time. I think, you know, we, we, I don't know when you're young, you get pushed this idea that's like, you gotta do this, you gotta do this, but sure. I haven't find it myself now. Like I'm in my late twenties. I started to see, I was like, ah, actually I kind of prefer doing this or prefer, you know, you've different interests. Yeah, no, that's it. And then you come across like friends, like out of school, you know, like with me in school, it was always, I was with the kind of rugby guys and rugby was the focus. Rugby was the thing. We just wanted rugby. And then you kind of get out and you meet uh, new friends and they have obviously different interests to what you were in school and what you have. And then you kind of like, Oh, do you know what? that's a good idea. I might do that. And, you know, yeah. So like, there's just uh, you know, it's not always about what you want to do from seven, 16, 17, 18. You'll definitely either change it or, you know, could well stick to it. Like, but, yeah, no, there's a, there's always a room for change and you don't have to rush into anything literally coming out first year of school. So, 100%. And so chat to me a bit about the starting out with the sevens. And like, I remember it was before I left in 2016. So maybe about 2015, I remember you going off a, a gang of you from Lansdowne and was it like trials up in Santry or something? I remember, but. Yeah, so there would have been fitness testing in Santry um and so it was like a 150 test so we did that and then we had a trial on the back pitch in Lansdowne in the Viva 
and um, yeah, we just had a couple of games that weekend, um, mixed and matching teams. And then you got like whoever kind of performed, whoever they liked seeing. Um, then they uh, called back. We got all got emails sent back. And uh, yeah, so then it kind of just kicked off from there. There was competition. So I think that was about March, April. I think it was when we started those trials. And then there was competition in June where we had like Rugby Europe competitions to start kind of building our profile and getting ourselves to where where we are now I, I didn't now to be honest I didn't know that was the goal I just kind of I got told by a referee so I was running a, a tag event in Lansdowne and one of the referees was just like the IRP are setting up a sevens team again <laughs> to be honest I kind of never watched sevens before I've seen clip, clips of it and all that like but obviously same with everyone now in Ireland like you know people are only learning about sevens now so I was kind of like always, obviously it was just 15s, but yeah, so your man, the referee told me to sign up. So I signed up and that's kind of how I got into it. And then, so anyway, I got, got called back from the trial, which was great, delighted. And then we were building into kind of Division C, which was in Bosnia. And um, yeah, it was just real raw at the start, like with just everyone not knowing um, how to play sevens. We just got to learn it from scratch. Um you know, where there's kids from like Fiji and South Africa, they, they're playing like all this touch and tag rugby and down South, uh, Australia and New Zealand as well. Like, so they're all like, well, uh, well used to it and they can adapt quite uh, a lot easier than what we can in Ireland because we just didn't have a clue. Obviously the coaches we had um, from Australia, Anthony Eddy and David Nussevore came over to kind of get this up and running. So, um, you know, I think in that way we had a we had a lot of work to do and kind of figure out the game as we went and we trained and played matches. So um yes, like fifteen thousand fifteen was the the start of it all and in the back pitches of like lands down into division C in Bosnia. Jeez. Like oh, I'd never forget it. We were like playing in Bosnia. The pitch was on like right beside a river and there was the amount of flies it was roasting the astro was burning your boots like and then you're getting into your feet and lads are pouring water on making it worse um like it was just like it was cool but like it was so gross like oh God, don't bring me back to bosnia ever uh and so from there then it was like division b division like the next year yeah so then there was division b which was, which was the same year and then um we had European competition to get into um, to qualify for the repertage in um, for the Olympics so that was the following year so we we came third in that tournament and then um, that uh, meant we went to uh, Monaco to play in the Olympic qualifier and um, that was a bit mad because we were like we were playing teams like Malta and Turkey and Latvia and Lithuania and like obviously no respect to, uh, no disrespect to to those teams um but yeah like we were we were kind of like oh my god oh, this is this is unreal we're kind of down with these teams but um yeah we're going to we have a chance to kind of qualify for the Olympics and we're we're not even on the World Series we're not in the world cup like it's just it was it was mad like 
Um, so then obviously that was the following year and before that Olympic tournament we had um, like throughout the year we had like trips to Spain where we go to like places like Elche and Madrid and we come train against the Spanish team because at that stage it was Spain and Russia that were our uh, competitors and um, obviously like France were on the World Series and England and Scotland well Scotland don't play rugby Europe and Wales as well so yeah those teams were kind of like sending kind of second teams uh, to those rugby Europe team, uh, competitions and um, yeah so it was Spain and Russia that were kind of like our big competitors at that, at that time and uh, yeah so like it was it was exciting it was cool it was, it was different um, but yeah it was like you know we're down at the bottom we're qualifying looking to qualify for the Olympics um, so yeah and during that time did you not have contracts or I remember seeing in the papers then like contracts coming in what was the deal then yeah so we didn't so literally we we're yeah, basically paying paying for free like playing for free not paying for free uh playing for free and um you know no 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 like at that stage no one was kind of thinking about money because there was guys coming from the academy so like obviously they were getting paid with their academies and coming in and um yeah then for guys like me who aren't weren't with any kind of province um we were just kind of happy to kind of get out and train and get when i finally realized there was the the goal was to be getting towards a, a world series and you know the olympics and world cup then kind of you know you didn't want to kind of just go or you weren't thinking about money you were thinking about like this journey that we're going to go on with world cup and the world series and the olympics so um kind of at the back of your mind uh, like i say the contracts and the money side of things was pushed right back um and it only kind of crept in to when we actually literally came on the scene where teams were looking at us like fans were looking at us like commentators everyone they were just we, like we were the talk of, not talk of the town but like, yeah we were talking the town like this team just came out of nowhere 2015 and now they're kind of pushing for world series and kind of olympic spots and everything like that so um that's going to be kind of like realized okay now um i think the IRFU is the same thing like okay we got to chip in with these boys and make sure that they're Getting not look getting looked after, you know, as best I as best I can say. Like it's uh, you know, obviously it's been hard with all the kind of like uh, financial side of things, but you know, like we we got a little bit uh, towards us, which was good. Uh, they backed us, and um, yeah, like that was the thing when we were when we quali- when we missed out on the qualification for in two thousand sixteen for the Olympics in Rio. Um, yeah, that was when they kind of like start to push on with like small enough contracts. Um, in like 2017, I think it was like the year after 2017, that was the year then we started to kind of push on with the contracts. So um, then it built in towards 2018 where we had our first year in Hong Kong. Um, so yeah, we were, um, we were paid, like we started getting contracts in 2017, 18, so. Good stuff. And is it like one year, year to year then, the way it goes now? Um, yeah, at the moment it would be one year. Some guys, uh, like just one or two that would be on like two years. Um, 
but yeah, no, it's all it's all the same. One, two years, same contracts and all that. So like everyone's gonna be equal now. Um so yeah, it's 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 grand. Um and like everyone knows the deal as well with it, and obviously it's public know about it as well. So like look, they're not the they're not the most attractive um contracts, but look, they they'll do. Um everyone's not just in it for the money, obviously everyone loves to they want to play rugby, they want to play at the highest level. It's another another um opportunity for anyone that can't make it in the 15s game. Um, you know, to kind of drift off on a different path and you know, go with the sevens. And look, you can see that it's worked for some guys who've gone back into the 15s, like you know, Tom Daly's uh, come out of it nicely, Adam Byrne, um, Hugo Keenan, Jimmy O'Brien. So, like, there's loads of them, there's loads of them, and it's a uh, yeah. You know, it's not just about the money. Like, obviously, you know, everyone would love a big, massive contract, and but like, that's not the, you know, that's not the that's not the main thing here. Like, it's obviously trying to do well, and you know, what we've achieved, go to the Olympics and the World Cup, and get a bronze out of it. So, you know, um, like that's part of it. But yeah, yeah. And would you were you thinking of going fifteens or like like professionally? Like in our, I know in Ireland, there's there's obviously only the four teams, but say i don't know before seven started was that something you were thinking of yeah so like i was in after school i was in i did all the underage teams 18s uh 19s 20s and i didn't do 19s now just the 20s the two years in 20s um did our in 20s so like i thought i was in a like a really good place and did leinster sub academy and yeah just kind of it, I kind of realized obviously there was nothing going to happen in Ireland. It like if you know, Leicester kind of uh, got rid of me, um, which is fine. Like they made that choice, Grant. I uh, took it on my own to call my Nigel Carlin from Connacht at the time, and he brought me down to do um, to play with the Connacht Twenties and the Inch Pros, and then that kind of pushed me into the Ireland Twenties, which is great. And then nothing kind of. Nothing happened from there with any of the provinces. So I obviously knew the kind of the dream in, in Ireland was kind of dead uh, to play with any of the provinces. So then I got on to like, and I had no one representing me, but I got on to a couple of guys um, that are agents, but um, no, I wasn't signed with them, but I was just helping, asking for like advice and help to kind of push into like England, hopefully like a championship or a premiership. Um, I got like one or two offers from like championships and um, wasn't wasn't great offers um, and it would have been in the middle of nowhere and you know a different scene and then what actually kind of kept me here I was gonna I was gonna take it what kept me here was the I had a conversation with Mick Quinn and who's like this big ex-Irish international you know him. and then uh, Colin McEntee who was Leinster Academy at my time when I was there he was the manager and they sat me down they were just like look if you go away you know again you know there's benefits you you get game time you play at a higher level but you know if you stay here and you play and you dominate and you know we can help you we can put uh, like go through your games have them recorded blah 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 and um that never happened now <laughs> which is which was like that kind of sold me a dream really but like um look they they kept me here like that kind of sounded good at the time uh so i stayed on a new year with lands down and then that kind of literally 
I think it was a few months later, it was um, signed up for the seventh. So in that sense, it was it was a blessing in disguise. So yeah, maybe I didn't look to, look at my games every six months, but look, I got I got to sign up for the sevens, and yeah, like I'm I'm here where I am with a bronze medal. So like it's yeah, you know, blessing in disguise. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Like, like um, the championship, like you say, like like going off some random spot, like, and the money's obviously not good. And and I think like the Lansdowne teams that, that we had were definitely definitely every bit as good as a good few, a lot of oh, championship yeah. teams. No, they were like we it's savage players, savage savage players, guys. Yeah, uh, Tom Daly, Tom Farrell. He was they were a part of it. Um, with an unbelievable front row, Jack O'Connell, Marty Moore, um, Tom Sexton, like yeah. the guys who have gone pro, Craig Ronison, John Cooney, like so, like yeah, Jordy Murphy, like lads who played yeah. for Ireland, like so, you know, we had uh, and Tiger Bird, Tiger Bird, yeah, Matt Healy, Ireland's best players, yeah, yeah. yeah, you man, Brian Wallace, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, um, um, yeah, it was some crack. I remember even as a young lad, you know, like going into going into those uh, dress rooms or whatever, like you, it was like whoa. This is yeah. ridiculous. Like, it's... yeah, well, that, yeah, that's the thing now. I've seen like it's all young. Like AL is now just full of young, young lads coming out of school. You're, you're literally like if you're good enough, you're making the team at 18, 19. And before it wasn't that. Like you had to like that was the thing. We we went through a lot of tough times. Just you had to earn it. Like you literally, you came out of school and you like you busted your balls twenties to play well and like even if you were one of the top 20s you weren't you weren't getting into the senior team and that was the thing like these lads were like you know close to kind of late thir- like late 20s and you know into their 30s like, these lads were tough like really tough lads and um it made them honestly they made you work for it. and that and that's the thing now like you know it is AL starting to become really really young it's nearly like all oh, academy players now playing so um but yeah, look, that's the that's the one thing I wish the lads had now in AL. The um, all the old fellas, you know, I I'd probably be one of those lads. But like these lads would be like doing all the initiations with you and you know the belt buckles and all. So like I'm not gonna go that far. Uh, uh, I'm not gonna go into that much. But like yeah, you know, they were tough lads and they kind of kept you straight and on the straight and narrow. So. Yeah, and I remember even like remember twenties versus seniors. Like I was just chatting to someone there recently, and it was like uh, it was like a war zone when we were like lands on twenties against going up against the seniors because we all obviously wanted to get into that team, and yeah, and uh, they didn't want to let us in, obviously, and we were we kill each other. Oh, absolutely, and that, yeah, that's when like our, our time when we were just kind of first or second year, like that's when the kind of young lads started to progress and kind. Of, pretty much kicked the old boys out you yeah. know so um yeah that was good crack to you should be uh you'd be battered after a tuesday like oh going home crying like <laughs> yeah and uh so what's your favorite stop on the series favorite stop would be cape town without a shadow of a doubt like um we did that the first year in um in the world series 2019 um like just unbelievable the people are just so incredible just like they're just so into it they're so into it. and like even like looking at their like kind of sky sports news their super sport like they literally promote every single sport like they're promoting South African under 18 rugby and, you know like 
that wouldn't be here that wouldn't be over in england so like yeah i just thought like their whole culture their like i i love a good coffee now and the coffee's unbelievable just the places you go to see like tail mountain um like there's it's on the sea like it's just yeah it's just awesome like i i absolutely love it um and vancouver i pick vancouver as well that's one of the my top spots um a little bit like dublin but it's uh i think it's super cool like there's so much to do there as well um so they'd be the two stop uh kind of stops i'd uh happily go back to every single time yeah nice one and then with olympics coming up um you don't need to qual. do you need to, you don't need to qualify for anything you're like 100 percent in the series and all that no, so in the series we're 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 there we were fifth this year so we, we stay there um and obviously they've changed the whole thing now um with gb coming in and taking over england scotland wales um there was meant to be two teams relegated this year after this year and um, because GB thing happened, um, no one's getting relegated, so it'll just be fifteen teams, and um, there'll be sorry, there'll be fourteen teams, and then the Uruguay are the new team that are coming up. They're going to be a core team because they won their qualification, and um, or that challenger challenger series, and uh, they will have an invitational team each every every two destinations. So when we go down to Dubai and Cape Town, there'll be someone kind of in that region. Then when we go to Europe, there'll be someone in that region. So we're back to the invitational team um, as the 16th team. Um, but yeah, for the Olympics in 24, Paris, we have to, this year is a big year because we come, become, uh, if we come top four, I think we automatically qualify for um, the Olympics. And you don't have to go through rugby Europe and then you don't have to do the repertoire or anything like that. So, um, yeah, like really, really big year for, for every team. Nice. Yeah. So go get a medal this year in the series. That's the plan. Oh, absolutely. That's the plan. Like we need to, that's what, not that we need to, but we, we want to push into as many finals as we can. Cause we, you know, we started off as an invitational team. We got a bronze um, and then our kind of start of the kind of our first World Series didn't kind of go too great. Like we didn't push to any semifinals. We pushed a couple of quarters. And now this year we pushed for some semifinals and we got to we got to one final. We came second. So you know, we've done we've done really well. We've kind of overachieved this year. Um, but now we know like after you know getting silver in Toulouse, a bronze in Cape Town. Um, we've had a number of narrow misses to make the fi uh, finals in other um, the destinations. We now know that we're right up there with the likes of Fiji and South Africa and New Zealand and Australia and Argentina. Um, so we realise we can we can go and win the series. We can go win a series of um, events. But obviously it's not, a, it's not that easy. Obviously there's no tough, there's no easy games. Uh, they're all tough. Uh, it doesn't matter what group you get paired with. Um, any team that comes out and wants this more than you and they just show up, it's, uh, yeah, it becomes very difficult. And, you know, you just got to be um, in the right mind frame to wanting to go and win and, and to go and do the job. So, yeah, well, look, we're, we fully back ourselves to, to go and do it. But obviously, we just want to start with Hong Kong, win Hong Kong and um, go from there. It's no point thinking about Dubai and Cape Town and then down the line London, Paris, anything like that. So yeah, that'll be the 
that would be the the goal. Hundred percent. And yeah, it's interesting with sevens, like you say. Um, every nearly every single game is tough. Like you know, there's no easy games really or you know it's challenging in that sense and you're just you're doing so many games in a weekend you know 15s as well it's like all right you prepare for this team and you know what you're doing and you got your the game's a bit slower obviously so it's yeah it's tough in that sense um that you just got to be switched on all the time like at the very top of your game yeah like that's a that's been the thing for us this year when we've we've when we've switched off like against the you know, the top teams, New Zealand, Argentina, Australia, when we um we would kind of always perform against those those teams. And um but it's against teams that we feel that we can we can beat every single every single week. Like obviously when we know we can we can take New Zealand, we know we can beat them. We haven't done it yet, but um you know it's not a you know in our in our heads not always a guaranteed win because we know how good they are, but we also know that there's teams out there that we can we can beat every single time if we just make sure that we are clued in and we've had times where we're not clued in we're all that one percent off and then they go and beat us um because maybe they're clued in more we they stop we made mistakes um so yeah like it is it's a, it's a big mental battle because there's there's there is there's loads of second chances because you lose your first pool game you can go in your second and your third pool game and you you get out of the out into the quarterfinals or you know you've lost your first two games or you've drawn one or whatever it is and you need to win your last game by like five six points to get through like that's like it's all mental battle like you can't sulk because you didn't get the ball or you you played badly or you missed a tackle or whatever it is you gotta just like be switched on and that's the thing about sevens you gotta switch on for when you when it when the moment's right and you know you're getting ready up the per game but then you need to learn to switch off forget about things and just push it to the side mm. and do you do anything after games to switch off um so like there's so, some venues we would be close to the hotel so we could go back in between games and that's what we did uh, for the world cup so we were able to kind of like lie down in bed and go for food and just kind of like chill out go play cards but like you know, the, a lot of it would just be like, just chill out, take your time. You can review the game, your game, the opposition that you have next. And then there's some venues where you're staying in the stadium for the whole day. So that can be long. And obviously there's like, there's a great spots where you can just get your food, and your coffee. And, you know, again, you still review, you review your games and yeah, like it's just, uh, it's just trying to chill out. You can watch the other teams go into the stands um, because you know, like if you're, if you're on at the constantly and switched on the whole time, like you just, eventually you're just going to switch off and that'll be that moment where you, you mess up in a game or anything like that. So you switch off in a big moment. So um, yeah, it's just trying to save as much energy as possible for each game when you start to build. If I always look at it as you try to build maybe 40 minutes before the game where you've done towards a warm-up and all that. So, yeah. And, like, look, everyone knows sevens is kind of, like, fairly re- relaxed. Uh, but when, when you get when you get going in a match, it's the most intense thing you're ever going to play. So. For sure. And you know when you're starting in the series, so, like, you're getting up through those and, like, your first, 
I remember where you're uh, one of those invitational teams to start and, you know, getting a first taste. And I'm sure like you probably were like, oh, sick, we're playing against Fiji. Like, oh, sick, we're playing against these teams. Like when you finally got there, was there a moment when the team switched from kind of like, this is cool to be here to like, we're going to go and beat these teams? Yeah, I think it was um, when we played uh, against USA in the in our first time like competing as an invitational team in 2018 in London when we got the bronze medal we played them in the quarters and they were like they were a class team that year and they were pushing top four um, I don't know if they were pushing for um, for the title but they were definitely pushing top four anyway and um, yeah like they were going really really well and we ended up beating them in the quarters and like that was just a shock to absolutely everyone because we got them like, in fairness now we got lucky at getting out of the group because everyone kind of had won a game and went down to points and Australia did us a favor. So, you know, we got out of it quite lucky and we ended up playing USA and we beat them. Like it was just, that was, that was the start of it all. That's when we just like, okay, we're ready. Like we're ready to like push and get on this series. And that was after, that was literally straight after um, losing in Hong Kong to qualify for the world series. So, um, so yeah, like that was um, that was a big moment, a big turn for for everybody, um, and then they had, the lads had the the World Cup in two thousand eighteen. So so yeah, beating beating USA was probably the the turning point for everybody to realize that like okay, we can we can actually be a serious upset and we can beat these teams um, when we're when we're switched on, and then we went and played uh, Fiji in the semi final. We got hockey, hockey. <laughs> I had. Um, Semi Ranradra um, looked up against me on a one-on-one ball, kick it off by Fiji, landing right on top of me. And me, my little five-foot-eight stature, trying to go up against him, I had no chance. No chance. Thought I had him. Thought I had him. Yeah. <laughs> He's like six-foot-four, like, oh, six-foot-two, Jesus. Literal animal. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, how was that? Um, you mentioned losing Hong Kong. I remember that to get into the se- like get into the series that time. Yeah, that was that was the most heartbreaking thing I've ever ever experienced. That was like we were playing Japan in the semi final. Everything went really well, and it was seven all. And then literally, literally, I think it was like fourteen seconds on the clock. I managed to chip the ball, and the ball bounced off the post and hit my. Kind of like my knee, my hand knocked on, and then they got a scrum five meters out. And like literally, I think there was maybe two seconds before it was going to be blown for um for full time, and it would go to extra time. And uh, like literally, they got a scrum on the last play and worked the whole way up the field and scored. And I said, so like that was like like nothing, nothing went like we didn't do anything wrong. Like it was just literally it was a bounce of a ball that literally knocked us out. Like. You know, if I'd scored, it was uh, it was game over. We're in the final, and more than likely we would we would have won as well. So, um, yeah, that was uh, that was that was heartbreaking. Like that was everyone was absolutely devastated because we didn't know what was going to happen the following year. We didn't know if we were going to, you know, Ireland were obviously Ireland sevens were obviously going to do it all again, but we didn't know what was going to happen to us as players, contracts, and um, were lads going to stay on? So, like that was that was the big uh, kind of worry, and you know. That's why it was so heartbreaking. Yeah, hundred percent. And how'd you like 
build yourself back up then or like to um ah, like we kind of um we got back into training and we were playing building up to an the invitational in london and paris um there was just that like joke and laugh about i remember stan mcdowell was our coach at the time um we were doing like a hand drill and i dropped the ball and he was like oh there's a there's rochi dropping the ball again so like there was just a bit of a joke and a laugh about it and that kind of just like just takes it away you know you're not you know you obviously look back at the disappointment like that i should like could have caught the ball could have done this or whatever but like the joking and the laughing and the lads did the same thing as well and i i did it as well like i i kept laughing about it and joking about it. oh you know that's we'd be we'd be on the series now if we were uh, i just caught the ball you know um so i think that makes it a bit easier if you can just kind of laugh it off and joke about it and not take it so, so seriously you obviously have your your moments where like if it's just happened you know when it did in hong kong you know you take it you sulk about it however you want to go about it but then you, know, you just got to leave it at the door and move on yeah 100 percent um well, hey bud uh congrats on everything and uh thanks for your time and i'm looking forward to watching you get at it again uh when the series starts up when when's the next uh when's the hong kong or the first stop hong kong is in i think it's like the fourth to fourth fifth sixth of november i think it is one of the, uh that, okay. that weekend anyway it's first weekend in, uh, in november so yeah it's gonna be uh it's gonna be wild gonna be wild never done uh, they've never done october sorry november um for hong kong so it's always been in april now hong kong's the two years this year so um, okay so yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome it's gonna be wild but yeah i think there's like COVID is still big over there and masks and all that so i think i actually think we're staying in the hotel after training like you go training you come oh. back and stay in the hotel yeah so it's very restrictive back to back to bloody lockdown back today. to that carry on <laughs> yeah yeah, well, hey, Bud, best luck with it. It's been unreal chatting and uh, catching Cheers, up. Mother. Thank you. All right, good to see you, man. Good to see you. Good to catch up. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I was just thinking as I was editing it, I was kind of reminded of why I started the podcast or one of the whys I started the podcast. And it was to show you how there are so many different routes into being a professional rugby player and how quote-unquote being a professional rugby player can look very different to different players and there's no kind of one-size-fits-all you know there different people have different journeys and you can be part-time full-time you can be earning lots of money, you can be, you know, varying degrees, you can be on a one-year contract, a six-month, a three-year, you can be playing professionally in a country that isn't widely renowned for professional rugby, like Ben O'Donnell spoke about how he was a full-time pro in Spain, or then in the MLR, you could be on a six-month contract, or Rochi today talking about how he's playing with the Irish Sevens but he's also working outside of that and I think they're all unreal and I used to think when I was growing up that you either made it or you didn't make it and 
unfortunately for me and I think a lot of others too you look at the top top elite players in the world who are say playing internationally or even with Heineken Cup teams or teams that are at that level like say URC or whatever and you kind of think that playing week in week out for one of those clubs is what it means to be a professional rugby player but it's not you know like as I mentioned MLR there or Spain or you know I I know a guy who has been a full-time pro in Brazil for a lot of years and I talk about this in the book on how you become a pro rugby player the different avenues you have into professional rugby because when I work one-on-one with players on the mindset side of the game and also in helping them get to where they want to get to that's what we do essentially is you know you have a goal you want to get somewhere we work together and get you there and a lot of players when they come to me they want to be professional rugby players and that's sick I love it like I, I want to work with ambitious players I don't want to work with players who aren't ambitious and I suppose they wouldn't want to work with me either if they're not ambitious but yeah like when we start out in our first session we talk about where you want to get to and then we start putting a plan in place on how you get there and it's something that I didn't realize when I was younger I used to you know I was involved in the Leinster pathway and then I switched back to my home province Connacht and was in that pathway and all I saw was that pathway I didn't really look outside of that even though yeah of course I was aware of it but I wasn't actually very aware of other opportunities and yeah it's something I just chat about in the book as well um just how the different ways you can go about becoming a professional rugby player like earn money travel get deals just how you go about it and yeah after it's chapter 17 after you read it you'll you'll just see how there are so many opportunities and like with sevens popping up now that wasn't really around 10 15 years ago so much okay in some countries it was but yeah there's just so many different avenues into it and i saw that as i was when i was younger and i was playing with guys like rochi and then when i went to the states i just started to see so many different ways in which people were having rugby as a key part of their lives and another thing is that people sometimes get hung up on oh what are you going to do after you finish playing rugby doesn't last forever you know be sensible have a plan b or you know some people go on like that and i think often you know they do have good intentions but like we touched on earlier and Rochi was saying how he didn't have school as his number one focus when he was say 19 20 21 or he wasn't like so focused on academics and was more focused on rugby and i just think i personally think it is a myth and it's it's not correct that you when you leave high school at the age of 18 that you have to do a university degree and you have to 
be doing further education right away like so many people start degrees or finish degrees when they're 25 they do it bit by bit they stop for a year they go back they travel for a while they pick up different contracts around the place they get work experience that's something i also found um really interesting that you know players will play a season and abroad and they'll get a job in an area that they like and then they'll go and play another season somewhere else and they'll do a bit of work on the side and that's cool like i think that's really beneficial as well you know i'm just chatting to a guy recently who i'm coaching now and he's 21 and just moved over from new zealand sorry he moved from perth he's from new zealand and then after he left high school he stayed in new zealand for a season went to perth for a season now he's in vancouver and he's kind of like yeah i might stay for a season i'm thinking about trying to get into the mlr and yeah we'll see and i don't know traveling sick and doing different things are sick and anyway there's just lots of different ways to do things and you know i just think life is too short and that if you are very very passionate about something that you should give it your all and yeah i just think it's a myth that like if you go all in on rugby and say you quote unquote don't make it by the age of 24 that that's an awful thing like i don't see how that is an awful thing sometimes issues come in with identity if you if your identity is tied up with being a rugby player and then you are no longer a rugby player you can suffer then and that's happened to me a little bit in the past but that's not the same as going all in giving it everything you've got because if you're comfortable with finishing at 24 what's wrong with starting a degree at 24 or an apprenticeship or going into work in some other field and then people also i used to hear another one i used to hear when i was younger was oh gaps on your cv look really bad it's like no like stop like yeah you can go into an employer at 24 and they say what were you doing it was like i was trying to get to x in rugby and i had these achievements along the way and i also did this work while i was doing that and you know you're not a waster like you know if you're pushing after these things if you're striving to achieve things if you're ambitious driven determined and okay it doesn't work it's not all in vain like the person that you become from doing that is awful incredible like you know i've got degrees i I did a master's in the States. I, I did a degree when I left school in Dublin and then I was just working and I got a scholarship offer to go to the States to do a master's. And so I went for the rugby, like I was going to be a player coach and I was like, all right, I'm going for the rugby, but I'll just obviously do the master's as well. But all of the traits that I now am happy that I have around around work ethic determination drive ambition all these things are f directly from rugby are i learned all of these things when i was growing up as a teenager 
playing rugby, striving to get into teams, understanding that if I wanted to be successful in in my sport, that I had to work very hard, that I had to be motivated, that self-motivated, that I had to be driven, that I had to be disciplined, all these different things. I didn't learn them in a book in a classroom. And yeah, to be honest, I didn't really like high school. I didn't really like school that much. I was lucky that I was able to get good grades, but um, and I know a lot of other people don't like school. And anyway, I'm often a bit of a tangent here, but I just want to let people know that yeah, there's many other different routes. If university isn't your thing, or if you don't want to directly go into it after high school, you can do other things, and you'll still be grand a few years later down the line regardless of what happens just uh, keep putting your best foot forward keep striving to be the best version of you every day and when you do that things will work out for you that's just the way it is and anyway as I mentioned um, I chat quite a lot about this kind of thing in section three of the book on how you become a pro rugby player and lastly I'm not anti-university or anything, I'm pro it, you know, and I talk as well in the book about how universities, if you're a very keen rugby player and university is something you're interested in, then it's a great option to get into a rugby playing university because they are as close to a professional academy as there is. I've coached in them in the States and Canada and the setups are incredible. They really are like the facilities, the SNC support, physio support, coaching, on field facilities like the equipment even I found in both like they're well funded and in general rugby universities. So, you know, I talk about that as well, but you can still go all in on your rugby while being in a university and yeah there's just so many different ways that you can go about it and pulling it back to what i was talking about at the start i like being able to talk to people who have had very different journeys in the game and are at different stages of the game right now and to just show you that yeah there's just so many ways that you can go about it and go on your rugby journey and um yeah it's so much fun thanks for listening in today as always if you would like to get in touch a good way to do so is through my website www.offafieldrugby.com if you're a coach and you'd like to work together to help your team become more confident have more self-belief become more mentally resilient Or if you're a player and would like to have a chat, yeah, go onto the website and just go to the contact form there and we'll set up a time for a Zoom call. Cheers. Have a good one.